Okay. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Here we are again. Um, my mom asked me after she listened to this, and she was like, that was so funny, but you should explain, like, where are you actually recording? I was like, in Liter- my closet. Literally in the closet. And she was like, oh my God, I thought that was a gay joke. Literally in the closet. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, you've been in here. It's a huge... <laughs> space and i had to explain like the concept of room noise so i love that to clarify we are in my closet yeah we are literally in a closet and when and i do feel the need to clarify when we say this is a walk-in closet listen like i think this closet is a result of potentially just like design flaws in the layout of the apartment (laughs) because it's just like an inexplicably big closet it's not like renovated (laughs) <laughs> I, it's like yeah I think that that is an accurate way to say this because I also it's like very deep and it's shockingly deep like you yes. walk in and it's not like you're just like roaming around and things are easily accessible it's that there's like rows of racks going back in where you can't even see when you walk in right so despite the fact that we may sound glamorous we might emit glamour <laughs> Uh, this is not a glamorous setup. We might be telegraphing glamour <laughs> on the, as Sam would like to say, we would be yeah. telegraphing glamour on this pod, but ultimately I, every single night, wake up because there's like a different weird noise coming from something in this room. I love it. So it's not like this is like the fanciest setup we could have, but it is nice. Right. Um. Anyway. Anyway. How are you? I'm good. I mean, you know, Thanksgiving came and went. Yeah, um, so we, we are recording Ep 2, simply, a I think, a full calendar month Yeah. after Ep 1. Ep 1 has been released and, to glowing acclaim. Yeah, and so if you listen to Ep 1, thank you for tuning in again. Yeah. If you are just joining us now, that's even more exciting because that means that somebody told you... Oh. Word of mouth, baby. Yeah, so that's been cool. We, I figured out how to get a podcast on Spotify. That's huge. Um, we want to end up on people's raps next year. That's our... We're, let, we're, let's speak that into existence. Oh, yeah. Because something of note that happened yesterday, and maybe the day before that... But um, Spotify wrapped released their demons onto everyone. Yeah. Um, mine was... Should we just share ours? Well, so I'm wondering... Are we going to do, like, a year recap pod? Oh, yeah. So this is why I'm like, okay. Okay. Here's what I'll say that's, like, a general statement. Like, about kind of, like, the quality of my rap as opposed to, like, the content of it. Yeah. This is by far, like, the least interesting my rap has ever been. Yes, Because it was the... I'm pretty sure the entirety of four albums made up like half of it, which has yeah. never happened to me before. And I do think on one end that speaks to the fact that like a lot of really good albums came out that I really liked. Like probably every year there's going to be like one album that comes out that every single song in it I really love. I think this year I was just way more like because of how many quality albums were like dropping consistently, especially like early pandemic. Yeah. I was just way more, like, intentional about listening to music. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, hmm, what am I going to listen to today? Yeah. Because there was, like, often one album that I was listening to because it was just, like, so good. So none of it surprised me. Do you have Stop. anything, like, really embarrassing on your Spotify wrapped? Um, oh, <laughs> the 1975 was one of my num- most played artists, which I guess is not inherently embarrassing. Taylor Swift was one of was my 
we'll say, I'll say it, my number two most played artist this year. Yeah. And in other years, I think that that would have been really embarrassing. Oh, yeah, but this year it's not. But this year it's not at all, and I celebrate the fact that I can, like, openly say that. And for me, last year, Taylor Swift was my number one artist, and that was incredibly embarrassing. I that And I did not share my Spotify rap last year because I was like, oh, really? My my most embarrassing, like, Spotify, like, statistic, because there's, like, a page that I believe is run by Spotify, but I'm not sure, called, like, Stats for Spotify, mm-hmm. that you can see, like, your all-time most played songs. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it's, like, still in the top ten, but for, like, a considerable amount of time... Roses by the Chainsmokers. Oh my god. Was in my like top ten not like top ten played songs of a given year. Oh, of all time. Ever. Do you know what song I've checked this recently is still in my top ten? Is this like random a cappella group's version of Trash in the Camp from Tarzan? <laughs> that is embarrassing. That's so it's like my it's my number ten of all time because like when I first got Spotify, that's like the only song that I listened to on Spotify. So, like, I never share any of those because it's, like, I I don't want to be confronted with that fact. I don't believe in, like, guilty pleasures. Like, I really do think we should be able to listen to whatever we want. Guilty pleasures slash... Well, the only guilty pleasure is when you listen to a problematic artist. And you don't share that. But, um... I'd say acapella falls under guilty (laughs) pleasure. But I think... The only time I ever turn private listening on for Spotify is when I'm listening to... Acapella. acapella, or more specifically, <laughs> the Tufts Beelzebub's. This is the acapella group that Sam was in, for those who yeah. didn't know. Yeah. Um, I think that the Chainsmokers, though, like, there is nothing more embarrassing to me. Yeah, especially because it's Roses. I think that song not, is so good. I couldn't tell you how it goes, but... I, like, I, like, <laughs> I like deeply think that that is an incredible song. I'm sure. I mean, I, I, I think Closer is an incredible song. No, it is. And so, like, I could understand it if it was closer. Have I told you about the Chainsmokers rule before? Maybe. This is one of my, like, life things. Anytime I'm impressed by art that has been created by a white and presumably straight man, I have to see if it passes the the Chainsmokers test, which is (laughs) if this art was created by someone who wasn't white or a woman, would anybody listen to it or give a shit about it? That's and the answer list. is almost like consistently no. <laughs> like, it's they, unbearable they, when they, men make music. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's also the, that's the subhead of my Spotify rap that contains, there's no men in my top artist. One oh, no. man snuck oh. into my top 10 songs. Yeah, the 1975 did make my artists, which was bizarre. Um, anyway. Anyway, so... Should we, should we get started on the albs? Yeah. For this week? And Sam's going to go first this week, because uh, I went first last week. Yeah, and we're, we alternate. Yeah. Reverse. We're reverse. This is a verse this... podcast. <laughs> Collectively podcast. and individually. <laughs> anyway. Go for it. I'm talking about Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus, the album that was released... Last Friday, so the November 27th. Yeah. November 27th. So Miley Cyrus, notably, uh, got her start on the Disney Channel by playing Hannah Montana, a.k.a. Miley Stewart, which is was a show that I absolutely watched. It's a cultural touch point for the Gen Z millennial cusps. Yeah, and I think it's one of the better done Disney Channel shows. 
So that show happened. She she released music as Hannah Montana. There was one album that was Hannah Montana slash Meet Miley Cyrus, and it was a double album in which the first half was Hannah Montana music and the second half was Miley Cyrus music. The one notable song from that album is See You Again. Hell yeah. And then also TBH, there's some good Hannah Montana music. Um, so Miley Cyrus, notably, uh, got her start on the Disney Channel by playing Hannah Montana, which is was a show that I absolutely watched. It's a cultural touch point for the Gen Z millennial cusps. Yeah, and... And I think it's one of the better done Disney Channel shows. So that show happened. She she released music as Hannah Montana. There was one album that was Hannah Montana slash Meet Miley Cyrus. And it was a double album in which the first half was Hannah Montana music. And the second half was Miley Cyrus music. The one notable song from that album is See You Again. Hell yeah. And then also TBH, there's some good Hannah Montana music. <laughs> um, and so the way I see it, there's pre-bangers, and then there's post-bangers when it comes to Miley Cyrus. So, Miley Cyrus released three albums um, before she released Bangers in 2013. Couldn't tell you what any of those three albums are called. There's one important song from each album. The first one, Seven Things. Second one, Party in the USA. Third one, Can't Be Tamed. You can maybe argue with me, but... I don't care. And you're not here to argue with me. So it doesn't and matter. ultimately, we're right about <laughs> we're this. We're right about this. Honestly, I like don't even count those as part of Miley's discography. Like, <laughs> to, to me, they are like, they're too Radio Disney. Like, she had nothing to do with the process of making those albums, yeah. I feel. But then, in 2013, she shaved her head and released a couple of singles, but ultimately the album Bangers. With a Z. With a Z. I listened to this album, like, a good amount when it came out. Okay. It's not objectively great. There are there are a few, like, very good pop songs, um, but most of them were not very good. <laughs> um, and this was, like, this album and, like, all of the hullabaloo surrounding this album was what started the, like, Miley Cyrus narrative because she shaved her head, she performed at the VMAs with Robin Thicke and, like quote-unquote, twerked yeah. everywhere. Um, and it, the media took it as sort of like the downfall of Miley Cyrus. She she became like the poster child for the former child star who is now a mess. Yeah. So from there, in 2015, she released an album called Miley Cyrus and Her Dead Pets, also with a Z. This I literally have never listened to. Um, <laughs> when it came out, it was before streaming was big and she, she released it for free, just like on some website that she hosted. And that was like too much work for me <laughs> at, <laughs> at that, that point. point. Um, and so I just like simply did not care to listen to it. I, Have you listened to it? Um, the only thing I remember about that when it came out was just the fact that it was like famously bad. Right. And, and I should say... Bangers was sort of her, like, foray into hip-hop. Quote-unquote yes. hip-hop. And, like, very, very deliberately so. Yes. Yeah. Dead Pets is, like, her foray into, like, stoner... Psych rock. Psych... I guess that. Yeah. And then in 2017, she released Younger Now, which was sort of country-adjacent, and it was sort of billed as her 
going back to her roots. And I and I did listen to this album. I didn't like Malibu, which was the lead single. Yeah. So I was not uh, primed to like the album. And it turns out I didn't. And then I didn't, didn't revisit it. And then in 2019, she released an EP called She Is Coming, which was kind of back to hip hop. Like RuPaul has a feature. It's very strange. Same thing as Younger Now. I listened to it once, did not revisit, didn't really like it. The point of all that is to say, I have never loved Miley Cyrus's music. I've always liked her. I've always, I've, I have always like rooted for her. Yeah. Like I, I definitely, even when she was having her quote unquote meltdown, was kind of always on her side, was always like giving her the benefit of the doubt. I want to root for her. I want for her to succeed. But I'm not a Miley stan because for me, at least, the music has to be good for me to like really like get into you as a figure. So all of this leading up to Plastic Hearts released last Friday. And baby, the music is good. I'm ready to stan. It's so yeah, good. It's good. The music is is quite good. Yeah. Again, Sam and I have not discussed her thoughts on this yet, and I'm really happy to see that you really like this. Yeah, I would say like, it's not life changing, no or revolutionary, and at all. But it is literally the first Miley Cyrus album where like the majority of the songs are good, and I'm Definitely. so happy with that. That is all I need to like be her fan. I think that, okay, well, you, I feel like, have more to say on this. I do, but you okay. can go for it. So, I also agree that this is good. I, and I, I wrote down, I'm like, far and away best Miley Cyrus album oh, to yeah. date. Very low bar to hurdle. <laughs> right. Like, I want to hear more about what you have to say. Yeah, so my first thing is that this is the best she has ever sounded. Yes. This is, like, the best her voice has sounded. And this is where the rock covers come in. So, the sort of narrative leading up to this album, she released... A cover of Heart of Glass in, like, October? Maybe, like... Maybe September? Yeah, like, September. And then Zombie a little bit more recently. And Heart of Glass especially got, like, a ton of views on YouTube. Yeah, it was a live cover. It was a live cover, and then she released the live version on Spotify as a single because it got so much hype. And people were like, oh my god, she sounds so good. This is what her voice should be singing. And the the narrative was, like... Let's let's have Miley sing rock music. Like Miley should sing rock music, and then she released Zombie, and that continued. And then she announced that her next album was going to be quote unquote a rock album. I will make a disclaimer. I am not going to engage in this conversation of like, is this rock? Is it not rock? Is it because I again abolish genre? It doesn't matter. I think. Yeah. So I do want to talk about her voice because that was like the the big part of the narrative leading up to it, and I think. It is decidedly the best she's ever sounded. And I think that's two. There's two reasons. One, what I had just said, this is the music that she's meant to be singing. I think she has a natural rasp to her voice. She has a really cool lower register, a really awesome, like screamy higher register that just like lends itself really, really well to rock music. And I think she wrote, she and the people that wrote the music with her on this album really paid attention to her voice and like wrote melodies that really cater to those money ranges that she has. And also she has become a literally better singer. I have noticed that. Like I I remember being however old I was and watching her perform the climb live at some award show 
and being like, oh, she, like, can't really sing that song. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... Like knowing that, like little ten-year-old oh, like, Sam just absolutely, <laughs> I was like critiquing Miley Cyrus's pitch. <laughs> A <laughs> but, lost cause. <laughs> but she has beat like, I, and I really felt this on Heart of Glass, and that's so much of why people were so excited about it. Is like you can tell that she has put work into singing better. Yeah, which is just like awesome. Yeah, because it feels like she's not going to destroy her voice, and she's like able to now like sing music that works for her yeah, because she really because well. she can actually sing it better. Yeah. Her voice was the star of the show. Yes. On this album. Totally. Okay. So this is like less about exactly like how she sounds because I do think she sounds really good and mm-hmm. I I listened to this album probably like six or seven times yeah. in preparation of, for this and genuinely enjoyed listening to it every time. Yes. But if I was to like think about to use the word telegraphing, <laughs> there was a very clear thing she was trying to communicate with this album. Yeah. It's very specifically to me a like rock slash glam rock slash just like 80s, 80s yeah. hair thing. And then if you look at the, as you said, sort of the lead up to it, the real like hype that was coming from the album was like these live covers that she was doing. And then if you look at the features on the album, there's the one song with Dua Lipa, which I'll get back to. But then you have Joan Jett, Billy Idol, and Stevie Nicks, who are all, like, obviously icons of this specific kind of music that she's trying to capture. Yeah. And that is, to me, where, like, the album both really succeeds and also kind of fails for me. Okay. Because I like the fact that she is not pretending that she's doing anything particularly groundbreaking, like, sonically. Yeah. She's like, these are the musicians I want to emulate, and so I will emulate them. Yeah. And I will say that, actually, all of the songs with the features on them are, like, three of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, I would um, agree. And so in that way, again, like, it's successful. But it also kind of brings me, like, into thinking about, do you know who the band Greta Van Fleet is? I have heard of them. I okay. Have, not really. So they're this band that... A couple of years ago, they were, like, gaining momentum, Mm -hmm. popular probably in a world of music that you and I don't access. They played, like, very explicitly 70s rock music. But they're, like, people who are, like, our age. They came to my attention because of this somewhat viral Pitchfork review that, like, completely just trashed them. Like. Like, it was, like, a 1.6 or something. Oh, Jesus. But the idea was basically just, like, they sounded like a Led Zeppelin cover band. Which is true. It's almost indistinguishable. Gotcha. And so the whole thing they were saying was like, this is bad. Not even necessarily because the music is bad, but because making a carbon copy of another band is useless. Right. And I think that I sort of was thinking about that a lot with this album. What this album made me want to do wasn't necessarily listen to more Miley Cyrus. It was made me want to listen to more like Joan Jett. Because... I think that this kind of music does exist already and the music that exists already that's already iconic is iconic for a reason and it's because it's really good. Yeah. And I think if you're going to have like a totally singular sonic reference point, you have to do something that tells me why you're making it in 2020. And I think that that sort of brings me to the duo track yeah. And I really like the duo one, track. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah. 
And I think that the do a track is successful in my mind because it doesn't do that. There's like an element of contemporaryness, not just because Dua is like a contemporary artist, but because like production wise, it has like a more of like a four on the floor, mm-hmm. which, you know, like and like, again, like there's nothing wrong with making music that's nostalgic. And if we're even thinking about Dua Lipa, we can say like future nostalgia, the Dua album this year right. is incredibly referential of like disco and like 80s pop, very obviously, but it doesn't feel dated at all. And so with Plastic Hearts, it's like Joan Jett, Billy Idol, and Stevie Nicks already have incredible bodies of music. Right. And what it feels like to me is like when like the Heart of Glass thing was like going around the internet, there is a novelty to it. Here is this like former child star playing a song that everyone knows and people really love. In a new way. In a new way. And I also think there's, like, an element of that, like, novelty in this album itself. Oh my God, here's this former child star singing a song with Joan Jett. Yeah. And I, I think that mean. she has deliberately done that across all of her, I guess, like, you know, bangers to now. All of the features that she has are distinctly trying to communicate, this is the kind of music I want to make. Yeah. That's so, yeah. But You're it's, so right. you know, like... the She um, had a Britney feature on... Bangers. On bangers. And also, like, rappers. there were a lot of rappers on it. And then if you go to, like, the Dead Pets album um, was, like, a collaboration with the Flaming Lips. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then the Country Rock album, there was one feature and it was Dolly Parton, famously her godmother. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think that, like, I don't, I don't blame her for, like, the desire to explore genre. But if you think about artists who over the course of their career have done like drastic changes to their sound Mm -hmm. from a quote again genre perspective the first person i think about like obviously is taylor swift yeah just from the perspective of somebody who has had like a very successful career pretty much like across the board with like eight albums now right yeah that span a pretty wide range of sound yeah But the reason why I think Taylor has managed to stay really successful through that is because they all sound like Taylor Swift songs. And that is the reason why she is like a master at that. I don't know what a Miley Cyrus song sounds like. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And And that's like the thing. It's like, yeah, like there are lots of people with great voices who can do covers of glam rock songs. Yeah, and I I think... I'm I'm interested to see what she does next because right. this has been the first good Miley Cyrus album. Yeah. If she decides to stick with this aesthetic and like continue to explore, I wonder if we will find like a uniquely Miley Cyrus point of view. Yeah, and I and I like want that for her. I really want that because, for her. Because because I I think that like what she's doing now is like it again like it seems like she's like kind of found her sonic home, which is really cool. And but but I also think like what this album I think does get really right is like it's campy. Oh yeah, I mean I, it's it's the thing that is Miley about it is that it's it's over the top. Yeah. In all of it. And it's even fun. even the ballads there's a punch to them. There's yeah. that's something that I think she has a gift for is like glitter. Yeah. And that is something that's consistent across her music. It's campy and it's over the top and that's fun. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Do we want to kind of talk about specific songs that we liked? Yes. So we talked about Prisoner. That's definitely up there for me. Uh, Angels Like You. Yes. Was a really good one. Hate Me. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked. 
Bad Karma, which was the one with Jun Jet. I that might have been my so favorite. Good. And they sound they so sound similar. So good together. It, and, yeah. yeah, and like I couldn't tell which one was Miley and which one was Joan Jet until I like was looking at a break like the lyrics on Genius. Yeah. Do you have any other songs to add? I um I actually I really like the title track. Plastic oh really? Cards. Yeah. I that was kind of that's one of my least favorites. I also liked Golden G String. I have more to say about Golden G String that I don't want to get into right now. Um the one that I did I really wanted to talk about is High. Yes. The best song she so the best good. song she has ever written. Yes. Or yes. Not written. The best song she's ever put her name on. I was on my way to my friend's house to have a socially distanced outside by the fire gathering over Thanksgiving <laughs> break. And I was going around a roundabout to get there yeah. and her house was like like a minute away from the roundabout. And I went around the roundabout like two or three times so I could finish listening to High because it is so good. I'm obsessed with it. It's really good. It's song. like 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 yeah. instantly her best song for me. Yeah, I agree. And possibly will enter my list of songs for the year. Wow. It like she sounds so so good. She sounds so good. There are th- in the first verse, I just wanted to point out you like a neon light shining through a door that I can't keep closed. You like a rolling stone always building cities on the hearts that you broke. I'm so good. It's just, it's it's so, it's so nuanced and cool. And her voice sounds so good. It's In the insane. chorus? And just, yeah. yeah. The chorus, because the, the like hook, it's like a climb. Yeah. It's the, the it's climb the climb. <laughs> um, it, it starts in her low register and it just climbs and climbs and climbs and it gets to this point where she just kind of like flies on the on the word high. Yes. Yeah. And it's so oh, it just gives me chills. It's just so good. And in the verses there's like a subtle kick drum mm-hmm. and it adds this like drive. It's it's so good. Like it, it could be the the last song in a Broadway show. Like Yeah, like, it's it's so um it's it's like big. I cannot wait to hear her sing it live. I cannot wait. I'm yeah. obsessed with this song. I'm so, I'm Sam, it's making me just so happy to see how excited you are about this. I, I just, oh, yeah, like, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's, good. It's so yeah. good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, high was, like, the highlight for me. Yeah, I agree. And then then also, like, what, what we said before. Also, though, like, again, like, there really aren't that many duds in this. No, I, like, the, speaking of duds. I didn't. I didn't love Plastic Hearts, but that's kind of just like I was just uh, middle, of the, middle of the road. My two least favorites were the last two, which were Never Be Me yeah. and Golden G String. Just because my biggest sort of critique of the album, if I had a big one, is that there are a lot of moments that are like very on the nose. Yeah. And um, both of those songs are like especially on the nose. Never Be Me. The premise is like. I'm a celebrity. My life is crazy. If you want stability, that could never be me. And then Golden G-String is like a song that is explicitly about her relationship to the media. There's a lot of lyrics about like the man in the chair and the how the industry has affected her. And it, and it's, I mean, it, they're both, neither of them are bad songs. Yeah. Just there was nothing about either of them that pushed anything forward. And that kind of connects to what you were saying about how like, a lot of this was derivative. Like, I, cu- I couldn't think of anything that was, like, nuanced or cool. Yeah. Or different about those two songs specifically. But the thing that I wanted to say about Golden G-String is... So, I didn't like that song, like, lyrically. Yeah. 
But in terms of the actual content, I like that she ended the album with that song. Because and this sort of connects to like the thing that I really like about this music, this album, is it's pretty explicitly about her relationship with Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, and her divorce from Liam Hemsworth. Got a divorce with. Who I all of a sudden hate. <laughs> um, I had no reason to like him, and, and now, now I, I have a reason him. to dislike him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the album is about Liam, yes. basically. But there are these little moments, kind of throughout, where she alludes to her capital P past, and like specifically in Angels Like You, there's a line that gets repeated a couple times, like "I'm everything they said I would be." Mm. the song has sort of nothing to do with the media, but there's this sort of one line that's like addresses the fact that she has a reputation and it's, it's like this sort of subtle way of like weaving in her to this, these lyrics. And then in hate me, it like could be a song about an ex lover, but then it could also be about, her relationship to the media. And the premise of hate me is basically like, if I died, maybe you would stop hating me. But then golden G string, which she ends the album on is explicitly about the media. That's what it's about. Yeah. The fact that she takes the space to kind of say like, by the way, you made me this way. Mm. All of these problems that I'm talking about on this album with relationships, with sex, with whatever is because of this. Right. It's because, like... My relationship I, to fame and the media yeah. and the public. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was, like, a very smart decision. Yeah. To put that song at the end. It just, like, put a cool film over the whole album. And, like, when I listened to the album for the first time, I heard that song. I then noticed those little moments the second and third and fourth time I listened to the album because I was sort of primed to think about it that way. So I just thought that was really cool. My last thing that I want to say about wrapping up, because it's not really about the album. Yeah. It's about Miley. Amazing. I am feeling a little bit resentful for Miley, on behalf of Miley, of like the way that people are talking about this album. People are mostly liking it. Yeah, I was going to say, it seemed like it's been getting like generally favorable. Yes, people are mostly liking it. The metaphor that I kind of came up with in my head was it's like, it's like when your friend has like a big crisis in their life, like they maybe have a huge breakup and they're incapacitated for a really long time. Yeah. And then they come back when, and then when they have their first career success after that, it's just this like kind of condescending. Oh my God. We're so happy for her. Yeah. We're so like, oh my God. Like, and, and my thesis is like, she was never a mess. Yeah. This is my thing with Miley. Like, literally, this is my my theory is like because she shaved her head, <laughs> people were like desperate to make her this poster child for like the fallen child star. Yeah. But when you actually look at it, like what was happening, like if you look the, the stereotype for the fallen child star is you know, like Brittany, Lindsay Lohan, Amanda, Amanda Bynes, Bynes yeah. who all had like actual meltdowns. Yeah, and like actual mental breakdowns, substance abuse issues, literally just because Miley cut her hair and started like talking about sex and drugs, people like painted her as this like 
mess yeah. who was like having this whole meltdown when she was never having a meltdown. She's never been arrested. She's never like had to go to rehab for any kind of issue. Like she, she like publicly smoked a lot of weed, but it's right. She like, she like does drugs and has fun, but she's always been in control. She's been in this 10 year relationship with the same guy who couldn't probably come up with a more boring yeah, person. Vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> Liam Hemsworth. Who are you? Um, he played a boring character right. in The Hunger Games. And has he done anything since then besides date Miley Cyrus? Nar. <laughs> Nar. Um, I guess like my point is like, yes, this is her first good album. And we should celebrate that and celebrate it as a good album. Yeah. Not like Music her... first, headline second. Yeah. And, yeah. and, not, and not her like... It's not like everything she's ever done before this has been this like enormous shit show. It's just like hasn't been good. Well, you know, I agree with what you're saying. And I think that a lot of this is the way we associate delinquency with blackness yeah. and queerness, right? Completely. You know, because Miley Cyrus is like a queer person and has talked about that pretty publicly, how she's like been yeah. with women and men. And I think like the shaving the head thing like could have been like an earnest expression yeah. of like I think it was. Yeah. And then also the fact that she like decided to put herself in proximity to rappers. And talking about smoking weed, it's like, oh, you're bad now. When in reality, the way I see it, and I think the way you see it too, is like, here is a person trying to make a deliberate break from the image that Disney boxes people into. Yeah. I just, yeah. I I agree. I I just don't, I don't like that there is this sort of like tone of condescension with the way that people. She has a great life. Like I was reading, (laughs) I was reading obviously the Pitchfork review of this album and like the first five paragraphs don't mention this album. Yeah. It's just about, like, her antics. Yeah. And it's like, she's been fucking fine. Anyway, wrapping up, I really liked this album. High is an amazing High song. High is a fucking amazing song. I'm challenging her to push past her reference points. Yes, and I hope that she sticks it out in this sort of arena and, like, yes. dives in and explores for herself. She's landed. We're ready for her to run. Hell yeah. Cool. Great. Moving on to our uh, next little number. Hell yeah. And that is good news, which is technically the debut album of Megan Thee Stallion that came out a week before the Miley Cyrus album did. So the 20th 20th, of November. Yeah. But Megan Thee Stallion has been having just kind of like a tremendous like 18 months Yes. Because she's really only been kind of in the public eye in a really big way. I say public eye, like, outside of just, like, the rap world. Because mm. I know that she, like, there were lots of people who were fans of her before she became really famous. So I'm not trying mm. to discount that. But I think, like, she wasn't, like, a public figure until, I would say, the summer of 2019. So, like, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. And for somebody who has only really been in the public eye for a relatively short period of time, like she has had like a career arc. Yeah. Like in a way that is really interesting to me. And so if we sort of like talk about that, just kind of like where she came from and the things leading us up to this album. Yeah. Meg is like pretty young. She's 25. And the way that she, yes, which is horrible to hear. That's awful. I know. It sucks so much that she's so... I mean, it's amazing because she's crazy talented, but she's... Yes. That sucks. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Her debut album at age 25 that features Beyonce. Mm, Awesome. (laughs) But she sort of got like famous or known because there were these videos of her 
from college, which was like three years ago, <laughs> freestyle rapping, like doing like freestyle rap battles and just yeah. like absolutely shitting on like the all male groups of people that she was like doing these like ciphers with. Yeah. And that's like kind of like how she like got some social media fame. I, I say this because like that origin of rapper of, of like of like where she's coming from, I think is really important to who she is as a hip hop artist in 2020. Yeah. Um, because I think that that kind of technical rapping skill is something that is not as important in 2020, like rap music or hip hop music as it was maybe in like even the early 2010s. Yeah. 2000s and then very much so in like the 90s and the 80s when rap was kind of like that's all just about was. yeah and that's not to say anything bad about the current wave of of people who are coming up in hip-hop or anything because it's just different yeah but like that's like very much her reference point is like having bars yeah <laughs> like that's like what she does so she had a song called big ol freak that like yep. peaked at 65 on like the billboard hot 100 so okay. Yeah, like... Solid. Yeah. Um, she released an album called I Am Tina Snow, which was sort of, like, this, like, fun, like, public persona. But then, like, her, like, really big... And at the time it was billed as her debut album was right. this album called Fever that came out in May of 2019. Yep. And it said, like, on the album cover, it was, like, introducing Hot Girl Meg. Right. And this was, like, the beginning of, like, her just, like, becoming really, really famous. So this was when I, like, learned about her, was Fever. And I listened to it, and I was like, this person is really good at rapping, and she talks a lot about sex. Mm -hmm. In a way that, at the time, honestly, was, like, more explicit than I was, like, used to ever hearing. Especially coming from, like, a woman. Yeah. Which was really fun and Mm -hmm. really cool. And also, like, just very her. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we had Hot Girl Summer. Right. And I think the thing that's interesting about Hot Girl Summer is that I don't know if even a ton of people understood exactly where that was coming from. Because Hot Girl Summer is just like a fun concept. (laughs) And I think that like Meg's popularity that summer was a lot less about the actual music on Fever and a lot more about her just as kind of like a wonderful persona yeah of just like a social media figure yeah like explaining like how you like need to exude confidence and like anyone can be a hot girl like it's just like it's like (laughs) it's like funny and it's fun yeah and it's cool fast forward a little bit i am enjoying kind of just like a normal week out early march of 2020 being like Wow, like, I love, like, going into stores without masks on. And you and I had just seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire in a movie theater and cried in Veggie Galaxy in Central Square (laughs) afterwards. And right around that time was when Megan the Stallion released her EP, Sugar. Right. Which had the song Savage on it. Right. And this was kind of, like, the blow-up huge hit that she had. In large part because it became, like, a huge TikTok song. Yeah. And that was just, like, one of those songs that just, like, was everywhere. I think this was, like, her first, like, big hit. Yeah. 
it high is, charting. Yeah, it like really established her as like just some like again like she was already kind of like a public figure, but this mm-hmm. was like her first just like absolute radio smash. Yeah. And so now if we think about like the post Savage part of her career, right? Because we kind of exited Hot Girl Meg right. into Savage. So she has Savage and then she has a Savage remix oh. with Beyonce, which is so good. So perfect. Unbelievably good. They both sound incredible on it. It sounds it's so fun. Yeah. They're both from Houston. Yeah. So like that was like part of it and it was yeah. just like Great. So yeah. it's so good. Iconic. I remember, I remember where I was. Yeah. So, 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 so good. And so then she was kind of riding on that. Not, I don't want to say riding on that, but like that was kind of like what she was doing was like this like savage era. Yeah. Which was like between like March and like June of this year. <laughs> right. But it felt like a whole chunk of her career. I mean, because it was, it was the, what yeah. rocketed her. And then midsummer, we get WAP. Oh boy, do we get WAP. Which was also an instantly iconic song. Ranked yes. the number one song of the year by NPR Music today. Oh, I haven't seen it. Wow. But yeah. And that song just like totally blew up, not just because it's like kind of great, but also because like it was just like controversial. But when we talk about all this, like that's like two songs over the course of less than six months that just completely like take over the conversation. And then (laughs) on like a less fun note is this incident with this rapper named Tori Lanez. Basically, Meg was shot yes. in the foot, both of her feet, um, by a rapper c- clown <laughs> after, like, a dispute after a party. And at first, it was just revealed that she had gotten shot. And it, like, kind of became very quickly, like, something that people were, like, joking about online. A day or two later, it became clear that it was Tory Lanez who did it. Yeah. A couple of weeks after that, she, like, goes on Instagram Live and, like, gives this really, like, emotional talk about what had happened to her. And I think for a lot of people, it was, like, this reckoning of the way that people were talking about it. Because, like, getting shot is... Traumatic. It's extremely traumatic. And especially in the context of everything that people had been, you know, talking about this summer as far as, you know, caring and protecting black women... Yeah. How quickly everyone was to just be like, holy shit, Meg got shot. And then on the other side of that, Tory Lanez was like defending himself, kind of. Yeah. He never explicitly said that he didn't do it, but I think that there's just like. Yeah, because there was this like, when she talked to the police about it initially, she didn't name name him. him. And then on the Instagram live, she named him. Yeah. And so he was like, you know. And. You know, I think one of the important things, and I'll I'll talk about this more, but I think that this is, like, relevant to the whole thing that we're talking about, is, like, Meg didn't name him initially, Mm -hmm. and she said this, was because she was, like, I was in a car with an armed black man, and I am a black woman, and if I told the police who it was, I was, like, concerned about the safety of the man in the car with me. Yeah. Which is... It, it's just, like, if you, like, think about, like, the levels of trauma that she experienced through this entire situation, to then only get an absurd amount of, like, misogynist hate directed at her for naming Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez, like, released an album yeah, about, like, why he didn't do it, and it was, like... Not, like, explicitly, like, shitting on Megan, but talking about how quick people are to, like, jump to conclusions, which is, like... 
And then his whole thing was like, oh, it was my birthday and you like called me out on Instagram live and, you know, I sort of acting like he was a victim despite the fact that he quite literally shot someone. Meg also has talked about how, you know, she she lost her mother and her grandmother like over the course of like the last like few years Mm -hmm. and how she believes that like it was kind of them who protected her in that situation because if she had been shot in like a different place in her foot, she may not have been able to dance anymore, which is not only like just a, a joy one gets to experience as a human being, but also like part of her career. Yeah. And it just is like this really like for lack of a better word just like fucked up situation Mm -hmm. and then during all of this happening like late summer early fall she started like speaking out a lot more publicly about like the kinds of layered oppression she experiences as like a black woman and as a black woman who's like kind of an outspoken public figure she wrote an op-ed in the new york times Mm -hmm. she talked about it on snl and obviously like the thing that is great about her is that she's like able to contain like both like the side that's writing op-eds in the New York times and also the WAP part of her. But it's just like, it has been so much has happened for her, which brings us to good news, which is an album that I think she only gave like a week, a week or two warning about this. So it it wasn't like we really knew this was coming for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a great album. Yeah, I I liked it. Yeah. But if, if we want to, like, just connect sort of, like, everything that's been happening to her mm-hmm. and the music that she's making and the response to this, you simply just have to start with the first song mm-hmm. on the album, Shots Fired. Yeah. She doesn't say his name, but it's incredibly obvious that it's about this Tory Lane situation. Yeah. And it, it uses a sample from this Notorious B.I.G. song that was, like, a Tupac disc called Who Shot Ya? That was, like, about mm-hmm. Tupac getting shot. Yeah. Not Tupac getting killed, to be clear. Yeah. And, it, and it sort of, like, is poking fun at Tory Lanez. Yeah. Tory Lanez is five foot three. No. And listen, we don't... And Meg, and Meg is, like... 5'10". She's a stallion. Ugh. This is a pro short king pod on like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But if you're, it's absolutely fair game for her to make fun of him for being really small. It's fair game for her to make fun of him for any reason. Yeah. And the ways in which this song encapsulated everything about her, that is like why she's so good. Yeah. Is the fact that she was like, I mean, again, like it's not like the whole situation is horrible that this happened so i don't want to be like it's funny but it's like it's so fucking funny she's she's making it funny she makes fun of like how small he is how small his gun is like she's like oh you people are talking about how like my foot didn't break like it's because the gun you were using was so weak that like obviously nothing bad happened to me i don't give a fuck that it was your birthday when i did this but then also at the same time like talks about brianna taylor yeah. And directly relates her experience through this to, like, obviously, like, this person whose death was also in a very bizarre, problematic yeah. and bizarre way made into a meme. Yeah. Which is not that much different than, no. on a, obviously, on a smaller level, what happened to Megan and, like, kind of challenging the listeners to be, like, you act like you care about us, but you don't. Yeah. Because of the way that this is something that you feel like you can joke about. I heard this and I was just immediately 
so happy. Yeah. Because well, like once I just heard the first track on this album, I was like, she has done everything she's needed to do already. And now we can have fun. Yeah. Because the only thing this album needed to be was just not really bad. Yeah. And, and, and like, in that way, this album totally works. Yeah, this album is very much not really bad. Yeah, and, like, because she's had a year, she's shown what she can do. I think that this album highlights what she is really good at. She is a good rapper. Yes. She does not make pop rap. No. She does not really need or rely on hooks to sound good, though I do think that the songs with hooks on them are, one of, are some of the stronger ones here. Yeah. And she is able to say the things that she needs to say. And it's funny. It is raunchy. Mm-hmm. It is clever. And, like, the reason why she's good is, is is in every single song here. Yeah. So I think that if I was to talk about, like, any criticisms I have here, mm-hmm. I just think it's, like, long. Yeah. I mean, the, r- the runtime isn't that long. It's, like, less than 50 minutes which is like in my mind actually like a great length for an album but there's 17 songs on it because like most of them don't go over two and a half minutes yeah there's no song on it that's like really bad to me no i think that the the biggest issue is i don't think that some of them stand out as much as they could if yeah. there was like a little bit more like selective pruning happening mm-hmm. and i think that to me it's really obvious that this collection of songs was not necessarily created to be a cohesive work yeah. I think that sort of like the two places in which this like falls, I'll say a little flat for me. Again, I want to like emphasize, I think this is a really good album, mm-hmm. is that it feels both like somewhat incohesive, but also like it doesn't feel like as sonically diverse. Yeah, it a little bit repetitive. Yeah, it doesn't feel sonically diverse enough to feel like super distinct. On the first few listens, I think the more I listened to it, the more I was able to pick it apart more. Yeah. But I think that, like, you have a lot of these sort of, like, fast, upbeat, not really any hooks, like, mm-hmm. kind of coming up right at the beginning. And then, like, in my mind, like, the second half of the album is a little bit stronger, but it's just, like, yeah. it takes a while to get there. And I think that this sort of moves into the territory of, like, what is a debut album? Like, right. this is not a debut album by her. And no. And I say this because, like, I think, though, that, like... There are two songs on here, which are Savage Remix and Girls in the Hood, Mm -hmm. which are songs that were released, like, over the summer that did not seem to feel like they were going to have a place on any particular record. Obviously, Savage had been on Suga. And those are two songs that I really like. Like, obviously, like, Savage Remix is, like, one of the best songs of the year. (laughs) But Girls in the Hood, like, it it wasn't a huge, like, she played it at the BET Awards, but it it wasn't anything that was, like, had, like, a huge, like, chart moment or anything, which is quite possibly why Mm -hmm. they put it on there. Um, And I think it's also obvious to me, like, if you are going to make an album that you're going to submit for a Grammy and you have a hit, you should put the hit on it. And so it, it just doesn't seem to me like there was, like, a strong sense of, like, point of view i thought fever had like a very yes great i think fever super had like had a very like big sonic through line to me mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why i liked it so much and i think that this has a little bit less of that so I like, agree. that's kind of like my criticism of it i think that they should have put less songs on it and made sure that the really good songs in it got like highlighted more there's no obvious songs that need songs to be taken need out to be but something, needs, out, but to something needs to go yeah <laughs> um and so if we could want to go and like talk about like 
specific songs. Yeah. Shots fired. Obviously. Incredible. Sugar Baby. Yes. Screamed. Like, I had a visceral song. reaction to oh, this song. So good. Invest, Invest in, in this, this pussy, pussy boy, boy support black business. business. Genius. Perfect. It's so good. And Ugh. also just, like, again, like, funny. Yeah. She's, like, I, the thesis statement of this album for me is anti-man, pro-dick. Yes. Okay. <laughs> my, my, the thing that I, like, took away from this album was, like, I love that Megan pretty much exclusively raps about sex. And I love the way that she talks about sex. Yes. She, she talks about sex in the exact same way that men talk about sex. Yes. Like, it's about objectifying men that she's fucking. It's not like a dominatrix, like, dom-sub thing. It's like, sh- she talks about men the way that men talk about women. It- it's, like, emasculating almost. It's extremely emasculating. And, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about the, the pre-chorus of that song, it's, oh, he want a bad bitch? Well, I want, like, someone with money and a long dick yeah she's like oh you want you want me to be beautiful like you have to be bringing something to the table too (laughs) right and then she also says like oh you want to see my nails when they're done shit pay for them yeah and and there's there's a line in crybaby which is the one featuring da baby yeah which i i also liked yeah damn he probably want to wear my hoodie yeah which was just like subverting that but it doesn't feel like it's subversive for the sake of being subversive no that's just like how she talks about sex and it's so funny it's awesome it's also part of the reason why she receives like a particular amount of like misogynist hate yeah because of the way that she speaks about men is like disposable (laughs) um yeah so sugar baby is like i love sure he's another line from sugar baby he said let's make a movie and nutted so quick we made a story (laughs) so good so funny so good um body Body, yeah. People have kind of mixed feelings on it. I'm I'm sort of like, I get why it's iconic. Yeah. To me, I, I think it almost felt like trying to recreate WAP a little bit. Oh, I just felt like it was like the sonic incarnation of a twerking. Yeah. Like, I just feel like there's so much potential for it. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't, like, th- like over the top about it. But yeah. I, I was like, oh, this is, like, iconic, and it was made oh. to be iconic. Yeah. Obviously, Girls in the Hood, um, yep. which I think probably most people would get this, but it's, like, the, there's a very famous, like, NWA slash Easy e song called Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. and it uses, like, essentially the same sample. So yeah. it's kind of, like, a fun remix of that, and I really love that song. Savage Remix, obviously, obviously. is, like, just, yeah, we've said enough. And then What's New. Love What's New. Those were, like, the highlights, and I was sort of looking at this. I'm like, to have six, for me, and I'm sure you might have a couple of different ones, but, like, for there to be six great songs on any album is, like, such, like, a feat. Yeah. The only other ones that I have to add to that, Don't Rock Me to Sleep. She's singing. I I know. I know. She's singing. I was like, yes! It's, like, the only one patent pending on my thoughts on that I, I i heard you singing that while we were getting the audio recording set up and yeah. i was like oh are we gonna have to talk about this because i don't know how i feel about I, it i was it's like the only song where she exhibits any kind of like insecurity yeah 
which I thought was cool. Yeah. Um, and then Freaky Girls. Which oh, was the SZA, duh. Which yeah. Was the SZA and I feature. also I also really liked that. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that it was a little bit longer and like gave mm-hmm. us a little like I wanted a little more. I think it's also because I'm like craving SZA right now. Yeah. She's man. like she's popping her head back into like the music world, and I'm like, <sighs> what's happening? I know. Yeah, so that's sort of like my my like takeaway on on good news. Yeah, like I I wish that I had as like nuanced. I think that like in like rap is having kind of this like really interesting reckoning right now because the kind of rap that women are making and the kind of rap that men are making are like really different yeah. right now. First of all, like this has just been like a really great year for like women rappers. Yeah. WAP came out, which was obviously like Cardi and Meg, Megan, but also Flo like Millie. Flo Millie. That album is City so Girls. Good. Yeah. And City Girls who are on this. Yeah. And like but the kind of rap like that all of those people represent Cardi B maybe a little less so, but still it's like mm-hmm. these are all like kind of more in a way like traditional Yeah, they're like technically skilled rappers. Yeah. Um Rico Nasty also. Yeah. So I, I think that like it's like very interesting. And I think part of that is because like if you look at like the men who are being categorized as rap right now, it's all really melodic. They're kind of like it's like this like emo rap SoundCloud lo-fi mm-hmm. thing. That sadly also sort of is, you know, I, I, I would have been very curious to see the direction that that would have gone. But, like, something that had been happening also was that, like, a bunch of really big figures in that world passed away over the course of the last, like, calendar year. Mm-hmm. Like, Pop Smoke and Juice World particularly, who are, yeah. like, two of, like, the absolute, like, biggest stars. Um, yeah. Yeah, which, and, and also pioneers of this, like, particular, like aesthetic of rap that was like becoming really famous mm-hmm. so like that's like part of it and then also i think women who want to enter the rap world and not be categorized as pop or like hip-hop r&b urban contemporary whoever mm-hmm. actually like need these sort of like classic technical quote like rapping ability to prove that they right are like real they need to come up traditionally yeah if they want to be taken seriously exactly and Meg has come up in an incredibly traditional way. She was mm-hmm. got famous because she was doing freestyles, had a few mixtapes, released a debut, and she's so good. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, because it's not really happening this year, Grammys 2022, though, seeing women recognized for the influence that they're having. I mean, the, the Grammys, like, famously are just horrible at categorizing any like rap music at all. Yeah. Of course, like the, you know, one of the biggest like Grammy scandals that have happened in the last 10 years was when Macklemore beat um, Kendrick Lamar on yeah. like, you know, one of the most like really influential rap albums released in the last, you know, 20 years. And then the heist <laughs> featuring same love. <laughs> like, like they, they just yeah. like, they're so bad at it, but also like if women are continually not represented in the way that like rap is spoken about in pop culture as like people who are currently pioneering, it would be so crazy because this, this, this year was Megan city girls, Flo Millie, Doja Rico, who was like popping her head in and out. Like, yeah, no, you're so right. It's just like, like that is like, to me, who is making... Yeah, those are the people that people were talking about on Twitter. Yeah. At least in my world. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that that's, like, a thing that 
yeah, just gets recognized because this is a great album and I'm really happy for her and hell yeah. She sounds really good. Shall we move on? Yeah. And now our segment. Our segment. Sam. Yes. Do you think that the album Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus is better than melodrama? Um, thinking about it for even just one second, I can say no. Yeah. While I did love Plastic Hearts, it doesn't touch Antarctica traveling woman of the world lords sophomore album melodrama. Hmm. Ilana is Good News by Megan Thee Stallion better than melodrama. Well, I could not be happier for the fact that Megan Thee Stallion is getting a platform for her music and for her thoughts and for her opinions and desire to instill confidence in everybody and for the fact that she has made us all hot girls. I don't think that good news is as good as melodrama. That was the segment, is this, is this better than melodrama? melodrama? Melodrama stands undefeated. Yes. Um, we'll see how that goes <laughs> in the future. Lord. Send us all an email just to tell us that there's not going to be another album, but she did go to Antarctica. <laughs> she is, like, learning how to smoke fish. And, um, and she's releasing a 50-page book photo book about her trip but she she already went to she went to Antarctica and she's in, just telling us in she's, 2019 she's checking in to tell us that a year ago she went to Antarctica <laughs> no album soon and that's our segment where the fuck is Lord <laughs> literally like <laughs> she, she like she knows no one cares about her trip to Antarctica I mean do I do you care about her trip to Antarctica it's not like I care but I I'm will, like I will not buy that book oh I'm not gonna buy the book but I'm gonna like look for photos sorry yeah. So that th- this transitions beautifully. Let's yeah. talk about current events, music news. I have two. I have two. <laughs> I have two big ones. What are the two? The Grammys and Taylor the Swift. The long pun. Taylor Swift generally. Okay. <laughs> I want to do. I want to do like a minute to win it on the Grammys because I think we're yeah. Gonna... There's so much and uh, yeah. So, it, so highlights include so the best rock performance category, all women. Which is insane and great. And then there are also no men in the country album category. Which is great because... Which I loved that. But lowlights include no women nominated in rap or R&B. It was like the two white women categories, great. Black women categories, not great. Yeah. All men. And then the al- the album of the year... Psycho. Is is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I read so many different articles predicting what it could be. Everyone was so far off. The only album that everybody said would be on it, that was on it... Was Dua Lipa. Was du- oh, I guess two. Dua Lipa and Post Malone. Right. Which is stressful to me. <laughs> if Post Malone wins album of the year. Like, it's, it is stressful to me because, like... <sighs> Like, like who there are, are years when I'm like, whatever. Like, I'm not a fan of Post Malone. But I, I don't think Post I've Malone... I've listened to three of his I don't songs. think Post Malone's, like, the worst. But I'm, like, not a fan of his. But there are years when I'm like, whatever. Like, Post Malone gets the Grammy, like, unshocking. If this year Post Malone gets yeah, the Grammy... Yeah, if Post Malone beats Folklore and... And Future Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Not to mention the other, like... 
Let me. I'm gonna it's it's so it's Black Pumas. Which okay. Which and let's talk. Didn't about, that come out in like 2018 or no, something? No, that's that album came out in June of 2019, but they submitted the deluxe edition, which is really annoying. Oh, I was happy that the Janae Aiko. Oh yeah, I like. I thought that album was good. I mean, random as fuck that it got nominated. A Coldplay album that not a single person even remembered came out. This Did not year. even know that that existed. Um, and then Jacob Collier, who I can't with him. Oh, and then Hi M got nominated, which I'm like really happy for them, but they will not win. The thing, this is my like whole thing with the Grammys. If you're gonna nominate albums that nobody heard, right. At least make them good. But like, I'm sure. I'm sure they are good. Like. But I just it's just, it's just like but the thing with like the Jacob Collier album is like he's in there because he's like people in the industry really like him and yeah. the people who vote for the Grammys have this idea of like wanting to have like an honesty about the music that's being made and they like people who are technicians and they like people right. who you know and this is why like Billie Eilish does so well. just does so well other than the fact that she's just like a beautiful white woman making like questionably cutting edge music is because her whole create her whole thing is that her entire creative team is her and her brother yeah this is also why you see beyonce consistently get totally they nominate her for her to lose and it's insane and the reason is because there's like this idea that like real pure music is one that you like do like writing on You're an it. Tour yeah, and, and, and you... it's why Taylor Swift also, who like again, you and I really like, but has done really well because she right. has this down to earth whatever thing going on about her. And it's like not only is it like frankly sexist, because obviously like Taylor and Billy were the two examples we used, but like more often you'll see people right. who are like quote less genuine are like women who have a team of like male producers around them making them sound like good yeah. and it seems like they're tool but it's also just like such a horrible way to assess like what talent is especially when the awards are not necessarily for songwriting yes like if beyonce does not write any for any of her own music don't nominate her for song of the year i don't know i, I also uh, the weekend yeah, what the what fuck the was fuck? that about? I mean, I didn't like that album, but yes, it was but like it was an album that should have been nominated. If, oh, if, at least Blinding Lights should have been nominated if, for something. If, if there's going to be any consistency across what the Grammys does, The Weeknd needs to be nominated. And it's so, I, it's bizarre. I, I like I can't come up with an explanation as to why he wasn't. The whole there was like this like apparent like scandal that he was like told that he could perform at the Grammys or the Super Bowl last year and he chose the it's Super just, Bowl. It's like a political thing. Yeah, it's a political thing. It's it's just like it's so crazy. but if you're ever gonna like talk about like what is a formula for a Grammy nominated album, it's, that was one. Yeah, it's like someone who's already really famous, who is talented, like genuinely really talented. Yeah, has. An album that was, for the most part, had a pretty positive critical reception. Like, yeah. consensus around it was that it was really good. It was maybe his best. Mm-hmm. And had an enormous hit on it. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't... That's, that's why Adele wins every time she puts on Exactly. Album. Yeah. Okay. And, and, like, I don't know. My thing with the Grammys is, like, I've stopped putting any real stake in it. Yeah. It It never goes the way I want it to. But then they give me little nuggets, like... Casey Musgraves winning album of the and year. then you like when it's like oh maybe they're like on the right track but then it's just like yeah so I am hoping for the best expecting the worst also, but ultimately I don't care but unless Janae Aiko wins which is not gonna happen yeah this will be since 1998 That's so fucking insane not a single black woman has won album of the year at the Grammys which is truly the most psychotic fact since that, Lauren Hill since the miseducation of Lauren Hill yeah so, so it's so just crazy. like it's just annoying and bad and we will of course dedicate an entire two-hour episode to talking about it yeah 
to end the Grammy conversation on a funny note. So obviously the weekend like has made a whole like stink on, about the Grammys being corrupt. I saw an article that said that Halsey is like putting up an equal stink as, as the yes. weekend about her own album, which I just thought was it's funny. So funny. It's like the idea that like Halsey thinks she deserves a Grammy. Yeah, it's funny to me. For the record, I think Halsey makes awful music. Except but if you like Halsey, fine. Yeah, you're wrong. Except for Closer. But... Yeah, except for except for the song Closer with by the Chainsmokers, which is an amazing song. Everything right. else Halsey makes is bad, and we're right about that. Yeah, that's true. And then Mute. the next music news is the Long Pond Studio Sessions, baby. <sighs> okay, so for those who didn't know, Taylor Swift released an album in July. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, mention folklore every episode. Yeah, but Taylor Swift, like, so because folklore, which was like obviously the album that Taylor released in July, was made like remotely, and they love talking about the fact that it was made remotely, right? As if that is like the most cutting edge thing in the entire world, which is not true because yeah. people have been making music like that for a really long time. But she made it, and it was with Jack Antonoff, who she has like worked with before, and who you definitely know. He's like an extremely famous producer, yeah. and then. Aaron Dessner, who was, like, a producer slash guitar player for this band called The National, mm-hmm. um, that is a incredibly famous indie rock band. Anyway, so they decided, Taylor specifically decided, she was like, well, I need to play this album in person, so we're all going to go together and we're going to do a, like, mini doc slash essentially just, like, concert of her playing this album with them, like, live. kind of, yeah, live and, like, somewhat acoustic. Yeah. <sighs> Sam. I fucking loved it. it and it's, it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. I used Sam's Disney Plus to watch it. Yeah. I earnestly loved every single second of it. The outfits, it's like she looks so many like oversized trench coats. She's wearing in the a, woods. like a corduroy paperboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, like drinking tea, like in and also like this is all happening in Aaron Dessner's studio. Which is gorgeous. Which is gorgeous. It's in upstate New York. And like I have to say, like, Aaron Dessner to me has achieved like the exact level of fame that we should all be striving for. Right. Which is that he makes money doing what he loves. He lives, like, a totally unbothered life by being famous. Like, nobody would recognize him unless you were a, like, very serious fan of The National, in which case, like, I'm sure that those were probably, like, meaningful interactions he had. Right. Probably more people now that he, like, is famous because of doing this. Right. But, like, and he just has this gorgeous studio and he just, like, makes music. And I was just like, yes. Yeah. She sounded good. She sounded great. This this is music that sounds really good in her voice. The, like, I'd say the only songs where I was like, oh, this, I like, find new experience via the song, uh, Exile. Yeah. And Mirrorball. But besides that, I mean, I, I love all of those songs. I also just loved, like, how she was, like, nervous to ask Bon Iver to be on Exile. That felt, like, so honest. Yeah. And, like, also just, like, it was obvious to me, like, why Jack Antonoff is such a good collaborator for her. Because he really was able to take these, like, very, like, general, almost, like, uninspiring platitudes that she was saying and, like, draw a lot more out of her. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool because it's, like interesting to just see like a working dynamic of two people who i think are both like pretty brilliant yeah and i loved that we found out that joe alwyn like 
co-wrote co-wrote some of the music i don't know how much she actually wrote of it but i just kind of love the idea of like taylor swift and her boyfriend like writing music together and i like love the idea that like joe alwyn is probably just like in awe of her yeah i love that they looked like they were in a madewell catalog yeah i I, like loved that they were just like sitting outside like around a fire like drinking like in adirondack chairs yeah it was just like so like nice to see and like she seems like she's like in a good place and yeah, I'm just like I'm just like happy for her loving the folklore era. Wait, I actually had Oh, 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 this is this was the note that I wrote. So I I watched Miss Americana when oh, it came too. out and like one of the first lines of Miss Americana was like my only moral code is to have other people perceive me as good. Yeah. Something I have thought about most days since cuz I think <laughs> right. that is like a psycho thing to say. Yeah. The first line of this documentary is her being like, it's 8.30 in the morning. I'm probably, you're probably wondering why I'm up. (laughs) Another psycho first line that I will be thinking about for years to come. Because that is like the most normal time for someone to be be awake. awake. (laughs) Especially for somebody who's like, probably like, is really busy. But anyway, we're happy for her and we're happy for her wardrobe and she seems to be in a good place. Definitely check it out on Disney Plus. Yeah. So great. And you're just like, it's kind of like, um, like, it's meditative. Yeah. I watched it with my entire family. That's so fun. Um, it was adorable. All right. Um, all right. Should we end with some wrecks? Some wrecks. I'll go first. Okay. Um, so I like Christmas. I'm a Christmas person. I'm not a Christmas music person person okay i like christmas music when i'm doing christmas things and then maybe like the three or four days leading up to christmas down to have christmas music however my recommendation today and something that i have been listening to a little bit is a christmas album and it's sia's christmas album um (laughs) and so this the the album is called every day i think it's called every day is christmas um, Famously untrue, and I, I love that. I love that it starts with a lie. <laughs> um, I've never heard this. To clarify, I just revisit this album every year around Christmas because I think it is like independent of the fact that it is a Christmas album. I think it's a very good album with very good songs on it, and it's like just the right level of Sia weird, and also like earnest love of Christmas, and also like it's hilarious that I'm. Sia and I'm making a Christmas album. Yeah. And there are just like some great songs. Are there covers or is it like original? All original songs. That is sick. <laughs> yeah. All original. Highlights include Snowman. Um and then, then the next the next song is called Snowflake. Love both of those songs. Um when I heard when I heard uh Snowflake for the first time, I cried. Uh Sunshine, also great. And then there's a song called Puppies Are Forever. Which is just hilarious and fun. I'm really glad because my recommendation is equally as embarrassing as this. Great. Yeah. So I listen to it. If if you're looking for new Christmas music, explore it. Every day is Christmas. (laughs) Every day is Christmas. She also, it's every day. One word is Christmas, which is not how that's supposed to read. It's supposed to be every space day. Every day is a um, adjective. That's, (laughs) (laughs) which is just great. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that. check that out. Cool. Okay, so if we're being vulnerable, 
<laughs> Which I guess we are. This, this is real. What I'm about to share is really vulnerable. Okay, so we're entering what I like to call kind of like the dark zone of Spotify listening, where nothing that you're listening to for the next month will be counted towards your 2021 <laughs> listening. So we're having problematic artists mode, um, but also just like this is like kind of separate from that. But okay. it was something I was thinking about while I was streaming this song nonstop for the last couple of days. Gotcha. So. People who know me know that I do like country music. Like, that is, like, not, like, a, a hidden yeah. thing about me. But the country music that I generally listen to is, like, a little more, like, maybe, like, alternative country or, like, traditional country. Americana. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's, it's like, decidedly not radio country. Like, pop country. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I don't like radio country is, like, for two reasons. Like, the first is that the natural world is very tied to country as having a relationship to cultural conservatism and Mm -hmm. like people are not played on country radio um for like casey musgraves was like blacklisted from country radio when she released a song where she like talked about kissing a girl and smoking weed right and then also they like kicked little nas x off of the country charts for making music that sounds exactly like what the is on radio country now which brings me to my second point is that like most of it is very bad to me (laughs) it's just like so boring yeah and it's like a dude because country radio is like very 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 men Mm -hmm. all of this is a caveat to say that sam hunt (laughs) (laughs) who is a definitively like pretty much like a bro country singer yeah who released um this album called Southside at some point this year that actually got like a lot of really positive critical reception and i listened to it when it came out and enemy of the pod john caramonica yeah the, the ranked one, it the number one, one album of the of this year one of the new york times pop critics ranked it one of the number one albums of the year but there is a song on this album <laughs> that is so good and it's called hard to forget Wait, I think I know this song. And it it samples a 1950, like, honky-tonk Pierce yeah, Webb song. Yeah, I do know this song. And the sample, like, the production on it is very cool. Yeah. The verses are fine, but the chorus is just, like, flies. Yeah. And it is undeniably good. Yeah. And it is catchy. And it is, like good songwriting it's like i got whiskey but i ain't got no proof like it's just like so like you're playing hard to forget is the tagline which is like you got a cold heart and the cold hard truth like it's just i literally know the song it's so good yeah and it's really good you should listen to it and you should embrace the fact that there's nothing embarrassing about liking country music and yeah yeah so my my brother famously like only listens to country he listens to like a mix of stadium country and like non-stadium country but like he played this song and i was like like <laughs> demurely was like uh what's the name of that song because <laughs> <laughs> it was really good <laughs> it's so good yeah i um, that's a fucking great song yeah wow. so that, i'm glad that we landed on that um finally sam uh do you need to pee i i don't need to pee i don't need to pee either but you know what i do need to do Eat food. Eat dinner. Yeah. Thank you for listening if you've made it this far. According yes. to Spotify, only like 42% of you do make it to the last like 10 minutes, which is actually <laughs> fine. fine for me. But I will say that if you do like this, I do want to challenge you to 
Definitely share it. Definitely share it. We got some like positive feedback, and it would be cool if more people wanted to check in. Yeah, follow press, us on Twitter. You can also press the follow button on Spotify if you oh, want yeah, updates, which I recently learned about, and apparently 12 people did. Wow. Which feels Go like a lot. So also, if you're listening to this and you don't know Samurai personally... Definitely, like, DM us. Yeah. Because I would How love... How cool would that be? I would love to know. That possibility has never occurred to me. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to know. And if you, you know, last time we said, don't text us. Yeah. Um, and I want to open it up to, if you guys have thoughts, if you have feelings, feel free to, like, interact with us publicly online. And thank you. We yeah, appreciate thanks so much. And we, like, earnestly... Love doing this. Love doing this and felt very good. Of hearing people listen to episode one. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go eat some um, yeah. pasta. And I'm super excited. We're signing that. off. Bye. 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 <laughs>